0: you're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. Right, good morning, church family. I'm happy to be here with you, to worship with you, to fellowship with you, to grow in our faith together. Just happy to be here with you. Uh, my name is Pastor Kai. If you don't know who I am, we welcome you to our church family. Make yourselves at home. Um, yeah, how, how did the fast go for you? It went Well, yeah, it went by really fast. That's great, you know. The less hungry you are, you are for the less amount of time is better. But um, I don't know. I felt the Lord's grace all throughout the week of you know not really feeling entirely all that hungry or being distracted by other things other than being sick. But um, but I feel like the Lord definitely spoke to me on, on something very specific and and I now get the opportunity to unpack it and, and really see what it means and how to apply it to my life. Um, and so and if you participated, I'm believing that God spoke to you too, that God maybe revealed some things to you or, or showed you maybe a next step or, or maybe uh, a step that you were supposed to take but hadn't yet. And he's like, okay, now's the time. Let's do it. Maybe something like that. Um, but I, I just pray that God would seal whatever it is that he spoke into your life, whatever he poured into you, Right? That's why we fast. We empty ourselves so that God can pour into us. I pray whatever he poured into you, um, God will now seal it and help you unpack it too. Amen? Uh, today, we begin our first series for the new year, um, which stems from, branches from, our theme for the year, which is planted. You see what I did there? Stems, branches, planted. Okay. Um, I'm believing that 2023 will be a year of spiritual growth. Um, But in order for things to grow, they must be planted, right? Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8 tell us, "'Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit.'" When we trust in the Lord, then we are like trees planted by water with roots that grow deep, and because we are deeply connected to our source, when hardships come our way, we won't be uprooted or falter, and our faith will continue to grow and bear fruit. Who wants that in their lives? I absolutely do. And and what these two verses show us is that um, being planted starts with trusting God. God. And in fact, anytime you read the Psalms or the Proverbs, a lot of times it says, blessed is the person who trusts. That's what it always starts with. And our blessing, our plantedness, it starts with trusting God. Trusting God with what exactly? Right? Trusting him with our salvation alone? No. Trusting him with every aspect of our life. Right? And the more we trust And the more we entrust to God, the more we're connected to our source, um, the more we'll grow and the more growth we'll experience in our lives. And this is one of many, many metaphors and parables that we read all throughout the Bible um, about plants and agriculture. Have you noticed that? A lot of the the parables and stories in the Bible have to do with with agriculture, plant life. Uh, Many of Jesus' parables had plant themes to them. I'm sure you can think of some of your favorite parables right now, and, and in this series, we're for sure going to go over some of them. Uh, Jesus used plants as symbols in his parables because uh, people could relate to them easily in their lives, because, you know, first century society was very much an agricultural society. Uh, sometimes today, Jesus's plant-themed parables kind of go over our heads because we are not uh, an agricultural society, um, but I know that's for, for some of you you have what's called the, the green thumb you enjoy who has a green thumb in here I need to know who it is yep I hope you have a green thumb because that's like your job um, yeah okay I, I do not have a green thumb uh, plants do not like me the plants that I touch die so don't ask me to water your plants while you're on vacation okay um, but but what we forget uh, in what my body soul must have forgotten is that when God created man, the very first job he gave him was as a gardener, a gardener. In Genesis chapter 2, we read about God creating Adam, and God created this garden for Adam to live in the Garden of Eden. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Everybody say, work it, right? God created man and purposed him in part to grow things, right? And after God also created Eve, Adam and Eve both worked together to take care of the garden and to make sure it was fruitful. It's in the very DNA of humanity to be growers, right? Listen, there's a grower inside all of us. There's a gardener inside all of us. And as long as Adam and Eve worked together, they worked with God, as long as they... Uh, listened to God and stayed connected to him as their source, then the garden would flourish and they would live happy lives. But watch, as soon as Adam and Eve disconnected from God as their source, we see growth negatively impacted. Because instead of staying connected to God and, and looking to him for answers and guidance, they listened to the serpent who deceived them and the curse of sin entered the world. And what was one of the consequences of the curse? Let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. And it says, And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return you see a p- part of adam and eve's identity as gardeners was tarnished as a result of sin no longer would growing be be easy and fruitful like like it was in the garden of eden and instead it would be this difficult work Their efforts would be plagued by thorns and thistles, all because they disconnected from their source. And from that moment on, the story of the Bible is in part about humanity trying to regain their identities as God's gardeners in the world. Learning again what it means to be planted in God, connected to our source so that we can experience growth and flourish in ourselves, but also in the world around us. And every single one of us should want to regain our identities as gardeners. We should want to grow again because growth leads to fruit. Right? Growth leads to bearing fruit. And what's inside fruit? Fruit contains seeds that allow for more growth in the world. And and so the more we grow, the more fruit we'll produce, and more growth will happen around us and in the world. Because ultimately, our growth leads to growing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. We hear a lot about building the kingdom of God. In this series, we're going to talk about growing the kingdom of God. And so in this series, we're learning what it means to be God's gardeners again. We're regaining our identity as growers, as planters, so that we can see the kingdom of God grow in us and around us. And to help us do that, we're going to use something kind of interesting. Um, we're going to use the life cycle of plants. How many of you know what the, the, the life cycle of plants is? Okay, yep, our, our in-house gardener does. Uh, I have. If you forgot or need a refresher, let's go to the next slide. Boom, there it is. There's a life cycle of plants for you, all right? Um, the cycle starts with, and this is a condensed version. If you know there are more steps, yes, I know too, it's condensed, all right? Um, but the cycle, it starts with seeds. You see in the very top. And then germination is the next step. And then growth. And then finally, pollination, which restarts the cycle all over again. And so each week, we'll focus on one phase of the plant life cycle and relate it to our own spiritual growth. By the end of the series, uh, we'll learn what it means for us to be planted and how to grow spiritually, but we'll also learn how to help others grow too, okay, because the cycle doesn't begin and end with us, right? Somebody invested in you, and you should be investing in somebody else, right? It continues from one generation to the next. That's how forests grow, right? And so uh, to begin our series, we're going to start where all plants begin, with seeds, okay? And so the title of today's message is Small Beginnings, Small Beginnings beginnings. And so that was my intro, kind of longer, but I had to set up the whole series for you, okay? Um, But can we pray one more time before we start jumping into some scripture? Lord, we're grateful that you've given us another day of life, another day to grow, to be planted, to grow our roots deep in you, our source. We pray, God, that as we um, just seek to understand what that means, that you would reveal it to us. Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes, eyes, our ears, to receive all that you want to implant inside of us. We pray that that the work that you're doing, God, we pray that we would see it, that you would help us to, to nurture it, to cultivate it, so that it grows to the fullness that you desire it to grow to. Not just for ourselves, but for the world around us. Because we know that you've created us to be gardeners. Help us to see that and know that again. Lord, we thank you for what you're already doing in this place. Um, we love you. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Um, Hey, what's your favorite seed? I bet you no one has ever asked you that question before. And I am happy to be the first to ask you that question. Uh, Turn to somebody sitting next to you and say, hey, what's your favorite seed? What is it? Single men, you are welcome to use that as a conversation starter on one of your dates, okay? You're welcome. What's your favorite seed? Uh, maybe you like to eat sunflower seeds. Uh, Annette and I, we love eating those on long road trips because it helps us stay awake and keeps us from falling asleep. Um, or many of our spices that we enjoy, that we put on our food, they come from seeds, coriander, anise, fennel, right? mustard, poppy, sesame. Ooh, so many good seeds out there right? Um, This doesn't really have anything to do with my message, okay? Um, I just wanted to be the first to ask you that weird question. And so back to the plant life cycle, right? But the the plant life cycle begins with seeds, right? The majority of plants that grow on earth grow from seeds. Now, I know things like mushrooms and other things like that, they grow from spores, okay? We're not going to get that detailed and technical. Uh, The majority of plants that grow on earth grow from seeds, And what's incredible about seeds is that all seeds contain within them the potential for a plant with leaves, stems, and roots, right? In a tiny little seed, it contains everything it needs to grow into something incredible, right? It's incredible that, that all the makings for a giant redwood tree right, which is the the biggest and tallest tree species on earth, is contained within a seed that's only the size of an apple seed. How many of you have seen an actual redwood tree in California? Yes, they're massive. I mean, look at those people next to a redwood. They're huge, and all of that starts from a, a seed the size of an apple seed, All of these trees in the the redwood forest of California, they all started from multiple seeds that were just the size of an apple seed. Talk about small beginnings. And when we look at the plant world, it's the same story told over and over again. Small beginnings that grow into something beautiful, something useful, something that's beneficial to the world. And this story that is told over and over again in the plant world is actually reflected in, in humanity too. Because think about it, on a biological level, all humans start from small beginnings. A a microscopic human egg, which is kind of like a seed, is fertilized and and through pregnancy and birth and and the events of life, right, it it grows and and, and eventually becomes a, a grown human being, right? That's amazing, right? It's incredible. So much potential contained in something so small. And so when you think of seeds, I want you to think potential. Everybody say that word with me, potential. Okay, because all seeds, no matter how small they are, contain the potential to grow into something wonderful. And if we relate this to the spiritual realm, then then all humans can be seen as seeds too. You're a seed. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you're a seed. You're a seed. And to help us understand this, um, we can look at at Jesus' teachings. Uh, We can look at at one of his many plant parables uh, to help us understand that. And so let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, okay? Um, If you don't have a Bible and you need one, uh, we've got some on the back of the sound booth. Please take one of those for yourselves, and you can keep it. But we love honoring the Word of God here. And so get your digital Bible out, your physical Bible. Do the work of going to the book of Mark we're going to look at Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 34. And in this passage, we actually get two plant parables that are connected. And they help us understand how all humans are like seeds. And so when we get there, say, work it. All right, I'm going to wait a little bit longer. When you're there, say, work it. Okay, that's better. All right, verse 26. This is Jesus speaking. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. It's parable one, verse 30. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. And so these two parables, they're, they're pretty layered. You could get a lot from them. Maybe you've heard a sermon on this before, um, but but what these two parables on one level, are what it's about, is the coming kingdom of God. right? The coming kingdom of God When Jesus started his ministry and people started to believe that maybe he really was their their long-awaited Messiah, there was a lot of excitement and buzz going around in Jerusalem. Because the Jewish people, they thought that the Messiah, when the Messiah would finally come, he would come with power and with might. He would come as this mighty warrior king who would overthrow the Roman Empire and, and restore Israel to the mighty nation of God that it once was. But Jesus, who we really know is the Messiah, he didn't come with that kind of might and power. He had it, but he didn't display it like that. He came as a servant in meekness and humility. He showed no intention or any kind of physical force to try and overthrow the Roman Empire and replace it with something more heavenly. And so some people, they started to question Even faithful people like John the Baptist, they said, is Jesus really our long-awaited Messiah? Is the kingdom of God really at hand? And so these two parables are Jesus' response to the questioning. So what do they mean? Well, he says the kingdom of God is like a farmer scattering seeds on the ground. At first, it doesn't look like anything is happening. How many of you, when you've gardened, you threw seeds on the ground, you're like, now what? takes a little time to to see if anything happens and you're like is anything going to happen and so all the farmer can do is go about his day sleeping and waking and and he's unsure of what's exactly taking place underneath the surface of the ground but one day those seeds are going to sprout not immediately into a full-grown crop but as seedlings and with care and careful attention they'll eventually grow into the full grain and the full crop that the farmer was hoping for, and he'll be able to harvest and finally reap the rewards of his labor. And this is what the kingdom of God is like, Jesus is saying. Even though it might not look like what you expect right now, even though you might question or might not understand if anything is even happening, the kingdom of God is growing as we speak, amen? And little by little, it continues to grow and spread. With each miracle, with each teaching, with each new person coming to faith in Jesus, the kingdom of God is coming and growing more and more. And one day, Jesus is saying, the harvest will be full and plenty. One day, the kingdom will come in all of its fullness and glory. So that's the first parable. The second parable is similar. And that a a mustard seed is is so small, I have a little, very tiny vial of some mustard seeds. There's about 10 of them in here. They're so small, right? Uh, So a mustard seed is, is so small, it doesn't look like much. And yet it contains within it, like we said, the potential to grow into one of the biggest trees in the land. And Jesus is saying, even though the seeds of the kingdom that I'm planting right now, they don't look like much, Even though I don't look like the Messiah that you've been expecting, everything I'm doing will grow into the fullness of the kingdom of God. And many people, not just the Jewish people, but all people who believe in me and believe in my kingdom, they'll be able to come and find rest and refuge for their souls in my kingdom. And so in both parables, what I think Jesus is ultimately saying is don't underestimate small beginnings. Don't underestimate small beginnings, right? Don't underestimate the potential for God's kingdom to come to earth as it is in heaven just because it doesn't look like much is happening, right? The kingdom is coming. The kingdom is growing as we speak. Don't underestimate small beginnings. And we know uh, what Jesus went on to do in his life, death, and resurrection, we can read in the book of Acts about how the kingdom of God grew and spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The seeds that were planted in this tiny region on planet earth, they've grown and they continue to grow and spread 2,000 years later. right? Don't underestimate small beginnings. But what does this have to do with us? How does this relate to, to humans being like seeds? Well, just like every seed contains within it the potential for a plant with leaves and stems and roots. Here it is. Every human being contains within them the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And that is no small thing. Every human contains within them the kingdom of God. You have the kingdom of God inside of you just waiting to grow and spread and sprout out of you. Or listen to the way Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. He says, "For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them." That's called potential. Right? God has created you for good work in this world to grow his kingdom, and he prepared all of those good works before you even said yes to him and started following him. Right? Every person contains within them the kingdom of God. Do you see it? Right, but how many of us underestimate our potential? How often do we feel like God just isn't moving or working in our lives? Or how often do we not understand how God could ever use me? Right? How often do we look at our own small beginnings and say, how could God use me to grow his kingdom? How often do we look at our our past sins, our shortcomings, our flaws, our insufficiencies and think, man, I could never do anything to grow the kingdom of God. Okay, listen, every person is like a seed and contains within them the kingdom of God. You bear the same image of God that Adam and Eve have, right? It is in your DNA to be a gardener, to plant and grow things for God's good purposes. Even though it might not look like it, God is doing a mighty work inside you right now. A a work that can contribute to the coming of his kingdom. Even though you might feel like, man, God can never use me. Don't underestimate what God could do in and through you. You have a part in the kingdom. And many people, as followers of Jesus, don't always believe this. You do have a part In the kingdom, good works prepared by God beforehand. You have something to offer so that others in this world might find salvation and rest for their souls in the kingdom of God. Don't underestimate small beginnings. Don't underestimate the potential inside of you. You have the kingdom of God inside of you. You are meant to be one of God's gardeners in this world. Do you see it? I pray that you do because, listen, I believe that this makes all the difference of whether or not you grow. Because a person who believes that they have no potential, that there's nothing inside them that could ever be good or for the kingdom of God, they have no reason to be planted. Right, Seeds that have no potential have no reason to be planted. Right, They, they have no reason to plant and nurture and cultivate what's inside of them because there's nothing of value or use inside. But the person who understands God's truth and understands what God says about them and what God sees in them and what God has put inside of them, that person knows their need to be planted so they can grow and see the fullness of their potential come into the light and have an impact in seeing God's kingdom grow in and through them. You have the kingdom of God inside of you. Don't underestimate small beginnings. Uh, There's a young boy named Kevin, and he had a small beginning. And I want to tell you his his incredible story. Uh, Kevin uh, was not the brightest kid in school, okay? Um, All throughout elementary and high school, uh, he struggled to get by, like really struggled. He eventually graduated, um, but near the bottom of his class. I think he was the fourth from the bottom, so not good at all. Uh, despite his educational struggles, he still had this strong desire to go to college. Uh, but his SAT scores were near the zero percentile. That's really bad if you, if you don't know that. It's terrible. And so he applied to over 140 colleges and universities. Uh, but listen to what his high school teacher told him or counselor told him. He said, Kevin, I couldn't get you admitted to a reform school. Right? Reform schools where they try to make you better and correct you. They wouldn't even take them right? No school institution wanted him. Even the church denomination that he grew up in turned him down for their school. Finally, for whatever reason, North Park University in Chicago, they gave Kevin a chance, but he was on serious probation, only allowed to take maximum of 12 credit hours. And so his freshman year, um, he managed to barely crank out a C average. Um, But during his sophomore year, he thought it would be funny to steal this like community financial fund from his men's dorm room as a prank. Unfortunately, the, the dean of students didn't find it funny and kicked him out of the school. So after all of that work, all of that struggle to get into college, he gets kicked out his sophomore year. Now, uh, after being kicked out of North Park University, Kevin moved to Tucson, Arizona, of all places, in 1962. Uh, Here, he got a job as a janitor in a local hospital and just wasn't living a good life, and he was on a trajectory of heading nowhere really fast. But it was in the same hospital where he worked that he met his wife. Um, Kevin, throughout his life, he didn't really receive a ton of encouragement. I'm sure you can tell that by now. Um, He was always told he had no potential for anything great. He only ever had three people in his life who gave him any kind of encouragement. The first was his mom, because moms are really good at that, right? Right? Um, the second was a teacher from his senior year in high school who said, "You know what? I think you could do something good if your life, if you sw- turn things around." And then the third one was his wife, and so it was his his wife that encouraged him to try and apply to the University of Arizona. Surprisingly, Kevin was accepted and became a full-time scholar right here at UVA. Not only did he take a, a full load of classes, not only did he work full time uh, through all of that. He also made the dean's list, right? Uh, j- just a little bit of encouragement from his wife who saw that he had some kind of potential. It just turned on a, s- a switch in him. His motivation just turned on and he never looked back. Well, Kevin, he-, he went on to earn all three of his degrees, bachelor's, master's, and doctorate in psychology from the University of Arizona, Uh, He served as assistant director of high school relations, where he established the university's New Start program. How many of you have heard of University of Arizona's New Start program? Um, And that helps lower income scholars go to college. And since its start, the program has helped over 4,000 students earn their bachelor's degree. Uh, Kevin also served as an assistant dean of scholars and he taught graduate level courses for the Department of Counseling and Guidance. His life really changed. Um, but not only did he have great success in college, uh, Kevin went on to write over 50 books on parenting, marriage, and family living. Uh, he became a New York Times best-selling author and, and award winner. Uh, he's appeared on Fox and Friends, Good Morning America, CNN, The View, Oprah. Uh, he is invited to speak all over the world in different contexts, contexts uh, even including Fortune 500 companies, and he's been a practicing psychologist for over... 40 years. Uh, and if that's not enough, within the last few years, he also started a charter school with campuses in Arizona and Colorado called the Lehman Academy of Excellence. This is the small beginning story of none other than Dr. Kevin Lehman. And maybe um, right, and if you do any kind of research on Dr. Kevin Lehman, um, then you'll learn that he's also a devout follower of Jesus. And he uses this massive platform to help parents and kids and married couples have better lives and relationships through implementing Christian principles. Now, maybe um, your kids go to one of his schools. Two of mine do. Uh, Maybe you've read one of his books, like his most popular book, the the birth order book. And it maybe helped you. Um, Maybe you've heard him speak on radio stations like Family Life Christian Radio um, here in Tucson. Maybe you were a benefactor of the U of A's New Start program. There's no doubt that Dr. Lehman has had a positive impact on the world and in growing the kingdom of God. And when you look at his small beginning, it's hard to believe the impact that he's had over the years and even today. Never underestimate small beginnings. And listen, Dr. Lehman comes from a long line of believers who had small beginnings but were used by God to grow his kingdom in mighty ways. Some of the ones that come to mind are the little shepherd boy David, who was overlooked, but eventually became the greatest king in all of Israel. Right, Gideon, who went from hiding from the enemy to leading God's army to defeat their enemy. Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers, but eventually becomes second in command of all of Egypt. Peter was this lowly fisherman turned leader of the early church. And the greatest example of all, obviously, is Jesus, born of a virgin in this little no-name town, lived in obscurity for 30 years, but becomes the savior of the world, king of kings, lord of lords. Never underestimate small beginnings. Like Dr. Lieben, in all of these examples, you have the kingdom of God inside of you, even if people can't see it. Even if people flat out tell you it's not there, don't believe the lie. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 again says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For some of us, all we need is just a little bit of encouragement and for someone to help you see the potential that God has put inside of you. You have the kingdom of God inside of you. I'm saying it over and over and over because for some of us, it's really got to sink in. You really do. You have a part in making the kingdom grow in this world. You have something to offer so that others may find salvation and rest for their souls in the kingdom of God. Like Adam and Eve. You are one of God's gardeners, made to plant and grow good things in this world. But as seeds, in order for us to sprout and grow, we must be what? Planted. We must be planted. And the conditions of our planting, the soil, the climate, and some other things, it makes all the difference. Now, we're told in Scripture that God is the one who ultimately grows us, but at the same time, it is our responsibility to make sure we are planted in the right environment and to know how to nurture and cultivate what's inside of us so that it grows. And that's what we're going to look at next week when we look at the second phase of the plant life cycle germination. All right. But, but for today, and as we close, Nanette, you can come on up. Um, when you think of seeds, what I want you to think of? Potential. When you think of seeds, think potential. Every seed contains within it the potential for a plant with leaves, stems, and roots. When you look at a little tiny seed, don't think there's just something little inside there. Think redwood tree in California, right? We contain within us the potential for the kingdom of God to grow in and through us. But the question is, do you believe it? Do you believe that God can use you As insignificant as you might feel, do you believe that God can use you to grow his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? And uh, in the back on the the sound booth in a little box there, um, I have a bunch of these little vials with some mustard seeds in them. I would love for you to to just take one of these as a memento of what we talked about today Um, to remember that, yes, you may have had a small beginning. You might feel small and insignificant but you have the kingdom of God inside of you. And maybe you feel like, oh, I don't need one of those. Then take one and give it to somebody else. Maybe a coworker, a class, you know, classmate or, or a neighbor. And as you give it to them, remind them of, of the potential of the mustard seed, but also say, do you know what? You are like the seed and you have the kingdom of God inside of you. Encourage them. And could you imagine nobody, somebody who's never been told that before, all of a sudden being like, what? the impact that the, that could have in their lives. And so I would encourage you take one of these, keep it for yourself, or take one and give it to somebody else. Amen? Um, i love to pray for you right now. So if you would, just take a moment, begin to reflect on everything that we've talked about so far. Maybe you need to close your eyes and bow your head just to, to focus a little bit. But begin to reflect Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God and the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you.